Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Want to know how I found the house of my dreams? My real estate agent, Angelo Fierro. Angelo, is this really the time we should be buying or selling a house? It's the best time. It's a record year. Sellers are seeing the highest prices ever in the history of LA. And for buyers, interest rates have never been this low, 2.7% for a 30-year fixed. It's the best time to buy. Oh my God. Well, what about COVID though, Angela? Like, this is kind of a freaky time. Like, how do you handle that? We take care of everything. We steam clean the house before showings and staging. We clean during, and we adhere to wearing masks, gloves, and booties. Okay, but what if I'm a tired mother? You know, this is a The Warrior Woman podcast. We're tired, Angelo. How are you going to, can you handle some of this for us? Like, how do we do this? We do it. We do it. Our team does it and Compass does it. Compass Concierge fronts the money to prep and stage your home so you don't have to. And then... We get you a nice massage after the close. Ooh, a massage. I'm going to hold you to that one. All right, everybody. This is Angelo Fierro, my favorite agent at Compass Concierge. You can get in touch with them at asklosangelo at Gmail. That's asklosangelo at Gmail. Or call them, 323-821-5353. Thanks, Angelo. Thank you, Liz. Hello, Warriors. It's me, Liz Swadek. We are coming up on one year together We launched on April 15th, 2020, and this is our 49th episode. Today, I am catching up with our top two most listened to podcast episodes. Joanne Lord, our most listened to podcast, had revealed that she had battled breast cancer on our podcast, something she'd never spoken about publicly before. We're going to find out what happened to her after the episode aired, how she feels about the uptick of violence against Asian Americans, and how she pivoted her business, Molly and Lily, to thrive in the pandemic. Our second most popular podcast was Patty Ivins. Patty and I spoke about white men getting a pass for their bad behavior, raising good kids, and her exciting projects she was to begin filming. In this update, Patty talks about turning 50, how women can come together by finding their voice, and why deconstructing Karen is the responsibility of all white women. We're getting real with these two warrior women today, but first, it's not easy for mothers of young children to get in that political door. Here are the depressing facts to prove it. At the start of 2020, only 26 Congress seats are held by moms with children under 18. That's 5% of our legislators. In total, there are 131 women sitting in the Senate and House seats, comprising of less than 24% of Congress. About 88% of women become mothers by the age of 44 in the U.S., yet despite making up such a large segment of the population, they make up the smallest number in our federal government. Imagine the political landscape if elected seats were filled by qualified hardworking moms who know what firsthand the majority of Americans endure day to day, raising the children of our future. Moms in office endorsed and supported over 20 women during the 2020 election cycle. You can support Moms in Office by going to momsinoffice.org. Let's get those moms running for office. Joanne. 
Joe, I'm so excited to have you back. You are my first guest. I boohooed all over the podcast like a total weirdo. <laughs> but you were my first guest. And you're my most listened to podcast, Joanne Lord. Can you? Wow. I'm so grateful, thankful, honored. It's amazing. I feel so honored, Liz, to just have been on your show, on your podcast, to share my experience. So thank you so much. Well, let's get a little update. Last we talked, we were barely into this pandemic nightmare insanity. What have you learned about yourself in this time? And what will you keep doing? This last year definitely reinforced that health and family are the most important, which I always knew. But what I think I've really learned this past year is the importance of connecting with each of my family members one-on-one. And I think really it started maybe the last six months. I have been able to take time out to really connect with my husband one-on-one, with Molly, my teenager one-on-one, and with Lily. And really just, you know, develop that relationship and get to know them as an individual. You know, we're so often together as a family, which is amazing. And this last year as a family nonstop, that it's been really nice to have this one-on-one time. Yeah. I feel like we kind of got our teenagers back, although now they're like, please get away from us. We're back in school. We never want to see you again. (laughs) But we did. We got some like teenage time when they may have been rejecting us. They they had no choice but to accept us, Joe, and to to let us hang out with them. Totally. You know, and you're so lucky your kids are back in school. Mine are not back in school yet. Oh, yours are not back yet. Oh my God. No, no, no. Landon's Landon's three days. Coco's full time. Thank God. But yes, no, but they're all going, they're all going back. It's slowly advancing. You know, it's slowly. Yes. Well, we spoke a lot about your business, Molly and Lily. I mean, my God, (laughs) who would have thought Joe when last we spoke, we had no clue that you would have to pivot your business in the way that you have. So tell everybody kind of how has Molly and Lily changed? What have you had to do to be kind of pandemic proof? You know, it's really crazy and I feel so blessed, but it was a crazy year, ups and downs, a roller coaster. And when we last spoke was in the spring and in July, I pivot, well, really in June, I figured, you know, I need to pivot my business. I need to figure something out. Obviously every fashion brand was doing masks and I thought I need to do it because it is a necessity. We all need to wear them. But, you know, I was really brainstorming on how I could make a mask different, effective, really chic. And so I came up with the Molly Millie mask scarf and that launched in Nordstrom in July and seriously took off immediately. And I'm so grateful for that because for five months we were nonstop busy. I mean, I couldn't keep up with the production. I couldn't keep up with the demand. It's leveled off now for sure. The mass yeah. has been on a downtrend the last few months, but for the first five months was ridiculously amazing and crazy all at the same time. Well, they were amazing. And because it, even, I, I mean, I have 42 of them, of course, because that you made them in such pretty <laughs> colors and patterns and you made the mask thing not feel so horrible to wear. They were, and because it's a scarf, you could kind of like have it on your neck, like a jaunty scarf when, you know, you don't have to like take it up and down on and off all the time. It just sort of could hang around and look like it was part of your outfit, which I loved. Like I felt like I had an evening scarf mask. Like I had something fancy to wear, which is like, hello. I don't know how you can make a mask fancy, but you did it. And you made it more utilitarian, which I really liked. 
Oh, thank you so much. You know, that was the goal. Molly and Lily stands for hands-free, multitasking, we're on the go. So I wanted to come up with a mask scarf that, you know, had all of those attributes, all of those characteristics. So, you know, our mask scarf is unique, it's reusable, it's sustainable, it's made from upcycled materials that I've sourced locally and I produced it locally in Los Angeles. So um, it's just been really great. And, you know, this was truly a family business. So I had my oldest daughter helping me process the orders. <laughs> yes, I had Molly. my little daughter. My, yes, Molly was processing the Molly orders. Molly was mailing. <laughs> and she was literally on the computer. She learned, you know, she learned how to do it. And it was great. I said, this is your internship. It's your fashion internship. Lily was, you know, stuffing boxes. And my husband, Jeff, he was my shipping manager. I mean, it was a family business. <laughs> yes. And what else, what else have you, what, so what's kind of the hot thing now? So you're kind of, the mask kind of went on the downturn. I know yes. you have some new things that you I do. Well, you know, fortunately, while the masks were kind of on a downtrend, um, our retail partners, their businesses were getting back on track. And so we have designed and developed a whole new line of handbags. And we've really focused on, you know, the hands-free, utilitarian, but chic, functional. So all of our handbags are, you know, designed to make a difference. That's our tagline, designed to make a difference because they all have an end use and purpose that we are really focusing on. So our bags are coming out. The new collection is coming out in May. So in a couple of months, um, and they'll be at Nordstrom. They'll be online. They'll be at a few other retailers. Um, But I've also launched a caftan, which just launched in the last two weeks with a matching mask scarf. Because, you know, we are still going to need to wear masks. I know. And I think all of us own so many, but I wanted to offer something really cool and chic that we would all want to wear. So it's a duster caftan that you can style over a swimsuit or wear with, you know, denim shorts or jeans, dress up, dress down, and a matching mask scarf. So this, I'm wearing one of the prints right now. This is um, the leopard floral print, which I love. It's pretty, and yeah. It's really chic. And so the set, you know, the set's available online and the caftans will be available at Nordstrom. Amazing. Well, I'm I'm so proud of you for making it through this crazy pandemic and actually not only surviving, but thriving during a pan- pandemic, which is like unheard of for a business. Hello. You know, it's, it's, I don't even know if I've had time to really think about it. All I can say is that I am truly grateful for where we are. I'm truly grateful that we're all healthy. Um, you know, we're, we're okay. Everything's okay over here. Yeah. I'm so, so happy. That's, thank you. Last time we spoke about your battle with breast cancer and it was really, you, you spoke about it publicly for the first time, like on I this podcast did. and you were very brave to do it. How did you feel afterwards? Like, what was the reaction from people? And like, were you feeling like, oh my God, I don't know if I should have told everyone this? Or were you more like, no, I'm glad I said it? Or what, how did you feel? You know, I, you, you can get people to open up. I've always told you that, you know, what you're doing is so perfect, Liz. I felt so liberated. I felt so relieved, honest with myself, honest with my family. And, you know, so many friends and friends of friends, um, you know, have connected with me. Everyone has a friend or someone in their life that has gone through a similar situation. And I always knew that, but I wasn't quite ready to open up because I was so concerned about my daughters, their age, their understanding. But I honestly think it was the perfect time to do that with you. 
you know, the girls understand it. We talk about it openly, freely. I'll refer to it, you know, oh, when mommy was in treatment and they get it and they're okay. So it is liberating. So thank you. Thank you, Liz, for that. Well, I mean, they need to know you're a warrior. I mean, they, if they didn't know already, I feel like they did know, but now they really know, you know, now they Thank really you. know that you're a warrior because your breast cancer warrior is amazing. We've been talking about the anti-Asian hate crimes. I mean, hate crimes are at an all-time low, ironically, but anti-Asian hate crimes have increased yeah. by 150% in 2020, which is insane to me. And it's really centered, actually, the studies are showing in Los Angeles and in, in New York. What has been your kind of experience with this? I mean, I think it's, again, like things that are under our little white people noses that we just don't freaking have any clue, you know, and we need to wake up. Hello. What has been your experience and, and how are you feeling about it? You know, it's awful. It really is. I mean, I, I have spent hours, nights up thinking about it, talking about it with my husband and, you know, our kids are half Asian, half Caucasian. I'm Thai Filipino. You know, it, it's awful. I'm shocked. I'm angry. I want to look at how I can turn it into a positive experience, how we can better educate people, how we can speak up. So I've used my various platforms, you know, personal and business to, to talk about it and to highlight, you know, Asian Americans that we aspire to, that we look at, you know, we're, we're all humans. It's humanity. Everyone is different and we need to celebrate our differences. I'm so proud of who I am. But when I read these stories about elderly Asian men and women being attacked on the street, I can't take it. You know, no, it's heartbreaking no, to me. It's horrible. It's horrible. I think, you know, my parents are mid seventies. My dad just turned 80. I just think if these were my parents, I mean, you know, if these were, you know, me, my kids, I feel like, okay, I can take care of myself. I'm young and I'm strong, but for elderly Asians, I, I just, it's really devastating. So, you know, we have a lot of conversations in the home. I think it's really amazing that today in school, you know, I feel like my girls are, vi- are becoming much more educated in, you know, cultural differences, just differences. Everyone is different. And to really respect, you may not agree, but to respect everyone, it's humanity. And so as devastating as it is, we're trying to figure out, you know, what can we do to help educate? What can we do? If this does happen, what are we going to do? What are we going to say? We're going to stand up. We're going to speak up and we're going to do it in a non-aggressive way. We're going to do it in a way that we can teach, that we can share. And, you know, and we're still learning. Yeah. Yeah. I know there are some resources we're going to talk about too, because I want to put them in the show notes, but I think that it is about like, I, I'm, I connected you to, to Sandra Hugh, Hugh. I don't even know how to say her last name because it's HSU. Is that Hugh? I'm not sure hundred percent. I know. See, yeah, you don't know. Yeah, I got yeah. to ask her. I'm yeah, actually talking to her. her. Yeah. I'm talking to her after this, but she created that Instagram, share your Asian story, which I, I said, I love that. I want, I, I literally DM'd her. I was like, I want you to come on my podcast because I love that idea because I, just like her, we, I believe that when you share women's stories and you get to know them, right. Maybe you've never met an Asian person or you've never met a black person or you don't know them well, let's say maybe you've met one, but you've never, you're not friends with an Asian person or a black person, but then you hear them on the podcast and they hear your story, Joe, and they feel like they know you. They feel like they're friends. So then I feel like, okay, great. So when you see somebody attacking an Asian person, you are not going to be silent because you're going to say, wait a minute. That's like my friend Joe that I heard on Liz's podcast. And I'm going to stop that right now. 
So I feel like these stories, you know, showing that the humanity of people, hello, we all have a story. That is sort of, I think, a great way to, you know, move the needle towards a little more peace and understanding. But what what are the resources that you think we should kind of focus on? There are a couple local resources in, in Los Angeles. One is Asian Americans Advancing Justice. Okay. Oh, yes. I posted about that. I'm going to post about it again and put this in the show notes. Yes. yes, you did post about it. And that is a really good one local. And there's another one, Asian American Senior Citizen Service Center. I believe you posted on that one as well. Yes. But you know, these are these are just a two, these are just two of the resources um, that we have here locally that we can support. Yeah. Um, but you've also been highlighting, you know, Asian brands, which I love that you're doing that. Are there any brands that we that you want to kind of say? I think you mentioned Crystal, right? Like that, that are kind of carrying the torch with this and really being doing a good job of not only sharing resources, but you know, sharing their story and and using you know their platform for good. Definitely. So you know, one is Crystal Minkoff. I love her. She's fabulous. And what I love about her is, you know, she's not only what the newest Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but she has an amazing following, and she's really using her platform to speak up. So I look to her as such a leader and I'm really trying to emulate and do anything she's doing. I'm really inspired by her. And her company is Enjoy Real Cocoa, Coconut Water, which is just incredible, delicious, amazing. So I really love her. And then a dear personal friend of mine, Linda Wang. We've grown up in the industry together, the fashion industry, and she has an incredible um, face mask company, skincare masks, not, oh, okay. not the mask that I've produced, but skincare. And her company is called Karuna Skin. Okay. And, we'll you know, we'll definitely highlight Sephora. those. Yeah. Amazing. She sells to Sephora, high-end uh, boutiques. And then Katie Chin, who you introduced. That's Katie Chin. Oh, Jeff, love Katie her. Chin. Yes. I love her. And I had the opportunity to meet her on Valentine's Day with you. Yes, and we had a we had a Galentine's Day cooking class with Miss Chef Katie Chen, and she she's so great. She does these cooking classes on Zoom. You can hire her to do it. It is so fun. It was sort of like, and by the way, if your friends are across the country, how great you can get on Zoom, do a cooking class, drink your wine. It was we actually added our daughters in the mix, which was really fun too. It was so fun. I want to do that again. I mean, it was really probably one of my favorite COVID experiences, Liz. So thank you so much. Really? I love her. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, let's do that again. Coco said it was one of her favorite experiences because she thought she loved the drinking game. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Even though she had water, Joe, she was like, Uh-oh. this is so fun. <laughs> drinking game. She's truly your daughter. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, good Lord. Okay, Joe. Well, one more thing. I have a question for you. And yes. Do you have any question? Do you have a question for me? This, this is not, I don't know what this question is. <laughs> I have no clue what she's going to ask me. I'm scared, but I'm figuring I'll let you turn the tables on me this one time. I 100% have a question for you. Okay. So I want to know, how has it been for you to launch a new business during COVID? You launched your first podcast literally like a month after the world shut down and you've been going strong all year. So, you know, you've launched this amazing, inspiring podcast and you've you've created this incredible community of warrior women. So tell me what that was like. How did you do it? Well, first of all, I wouldn't, I couldn't do it without Becky at BH Marketing. I have to decide who I, I now actually work with her, and I, you know, po- coach other people to launch their podcast because that's how much I loved working with her. But, you know, that's people don't understand when I put this podcast out. There was nobody working at Apple. 
Who was going to approve this podcast and get it on the air? We, I mean, I don't even know how Becky did it. She, she, for some, she just persistently kept submitting it. Finally, it was live. I couldn't even believe it. It was weeks. And normally that's like not that big of a deal of a process, but this was weeks and weeks and it was touch and go. Like we didn't know if it was going to really launch or not. So she pushed it through. And she also talked me off the ledge when I wanted to quit 10 times and said, who would want, who does he, who even wants to listen to me? Like, why am I doing this? This is ridiculous. And all the technical things that are so scary and all of that. And it was, it was, it was a challenge. I'm tur- I was turning 50. I was trying something new. I was launching a new thing. And then here comes COVID, right? Like as I if I wasn't insecure yeah. enough. But I will say that I'm so proud of myself and it, it it really has kept me alive during COVID. I mean, my God, having these conversations with these women and we would, it's funny, almost every single guest would say, especially ones that I'd never met before, mm-hmm. they would say, Liz, this has been the best part of my day. Liz, this is like, I'm now gonna, I'm recharged now. Like I actually can get back to work now and do some things for myself. It was such a restorative, uh, positive inspirational thing for both for me and the guests every single time that I thought, my God, you know, and then I was getting all these DMs from people saying, oh my God, when Joe said, make it happen. Now I feel like I I play the Mariah Carey song because of Joe (laughs) or, you know, or they would, you know, they would DM me and say like, God, she's so brave. I can't believe she shared that. And, you know, it really makes me understand the power of sharing your story. Like we're saying like that you, when you share your story, you really are helping another person. You're revealing and then you're healing yes. another person. And that's really what it's about. So I'm. thank you for asking me. That's a great question. And I love you. And thank you for being my first and most popular guest on my podcast, Joanne Lord. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I love you. And I'm so proud of you. I mean, you, you have how many now? This is one year. So you've had 52. I'm, well, you're my 49th. Okay. And my 50th, I'm not telling anybody, but I have a very special guest for my 50th. And she's a famous person, I'm just going to say. I'm so excited. I'm so proud of you. And I love listening to your podcast as I'm driving. When I'm driving, that is the best time. I just tune in, listen, and they really are so inspiring. And it's, it's all about the connection, Liz. So congratulations. Thank you, my love. All right. Well, we, you know, we may have to check back in. I want to know about all the different Molly and Lily things you're launching. I want to be the first to know. I want to put, I'm going to put it on my Instagram. I like to support you, but I also just love to see all the things you're doing. So I'll make sure all of your fans know all your new things. And I'll be, I'll be like Molly and Lily Jr. I'll be like reposting all of your stuff. I love it. I love it. Yes. Please. (laughs) We all, we all need to help each other. That's what it's about. Absolutely. Okay. Love. We'll talk. Okay. Thank you, honey. Love you. Okay. Patty, I'm so excited to have you back. I'm excited that you are number two, number two, most listened to podcast of all time. That is like a huge deal. I'm really glad to have you. And I'm really excited to get a little update from you, Miss Patty, because, you know, people had inquiring minds about how you're doing now. So let's get to it. When we last talked, we were barely into the pandemic. I want to know, what have you learned about yourself uh, and what will you keep from this pandemic time? Well, what I'm going to keep, first of all, I just love you and it's great to see you. So yay, I'm glad we're doing this. Um, but what I'm going to tell you what I will keep from this time is the pace of my life. I've been very thorough in, you know, my time with my kids, my time with my work, my, I have given it a lot of focus and that's because there's been fewer distractions 
in life. And I really have treasured that. So as we kind of begin to return to our former pre-COVID life, I really want to make sure that I don't lose kind of the pace. There's a pace of this that is really lovely and less frenetic. And I want to keep that piece in my life. Yeah. And what do you think you've learned about yourself in this time? Because I feel like this is one of those times that we, I don't know, we kind of learned about ourselves. Like, for example, I told you, you know, I'm like a party animal. I go out all the time, social butterfly lady. I plan all the things. I was kind of excited that my calendar went down to nothing and that I just had to be really choosy about the things I was going to do because my God, look what I've accomplished in this time. I realized I was doing a lot of nonsense going out and a lot of like, too much. Like I needed to really swing the pendulum, the pendulum the other way. Well, it's made me reflect on this season of my life. I just turned 50. I'm really proud that I've just turned 50. I feel like it's really an, a badge of honor. I just have really welcomed it so, so deeply on so many different levels. Listen, pandemic lifestyle is super hot for a 50 something. It is not <laughs> the life I want for my 15 year old. You know, it's not the life I would have wanted at 30 or even at 40, but where I am in this season, it totally suits my desire for my life because ultimately I did see people. We met in backyards. We met judiciously. We wore our masks. Like we, we still had connection, but we really had to drill down to you know, who were you going to see? And often, you know, that did back into you know, seeing family from afar or seeing your, our kids' friends, you know, and their families from afar. And like, we were all really forced to prioritize every aspect of our life this past year. Yes, And that was not necessarily a bad thing for the season I'm in. For my kids, I don't want them to have to live their life like this. You know, um, I'm excited for them to have a little bit more of the frivolous, get that frivolous back a little bit. I'm totally happy to live a little bit more of a curated lifestyle. Yeah. A little joy back a little, even, I mean, my God, even a little like, you know, frivolity and a little bit of, what is the word I'm looking for? I'm looking for the word. Spontaneity. I feel like the kids need that, right? Like, oh my God, we're all going to land and and, and get your mask on and everybody's going to go here for like, I just a little more like loose, you know? Yeah. And like, oh, maybe we can go get pizza and a movie tonight. Mom, what do you think? Do you think we could go to the mall? Like, you know, that kind of like the, the ease of that you know, without 700 steps, it will be a really lovely thing when we can get back there safely, but it feels like we're on that path. So I think what I learned about for myself is that there were a lot of pieces of this lifestyle that totally worked for me, but I don't want to impose that on my kids. I'm excited for them to get back to a more frivolous, spontaneous lifestyle. Yes, I agree. Okay. Well, we spoke a lot about, and we speak about this all the time, by the way, we spoke a lot about white men getting a pass in our society. We talked about it politically. We talked about mansplaining. We talked about, you know, men getting away with horrible things. You know, I mean, we can, we can bring this into a hundred categories, right? Politics, me too, all the things. You're raising a white male, Patty. You're raising a white teen boy who's going to be a white man, right? How are you raising him in a way that aligns with your feelings about kind of, you know, not having white men get a pass? So there's two things I want to say about this is one for all the people who may listen to this and this question makes them uncomfortable. It's okay that it makes you uncomfortable. Like we, as women, 
haven't really been taught to have these conversations about observing the inequalities in our society. And it's so, I just want to say like, if this makes you uncomfortable, that's okay. Stay with us. It's not an everyday conversation, but it's a valuable conversation. Even if you don't agree with us, it's a valuable conversation to allow yourself to have. The second thing I'll say is that I distinctly remember holding my son, breastfeeding him in my green and white polka dot chair. That was my favorite little rocker that we splurged on for when, you know, we had Lucas. I remember holding him and being like, wow, unintentionally, like this has nothing. I did nothing, but you were born at the top of the pyramid. Like you, dude, you won. Like you won. Like you literally won the birth lottery. You are a white male in America. Congratulations. And like, I didn't mean that with anything other than I see how the real world works and I see that you're at the top. And like, I see my part of my responsibility is raising you as a human to be appreciative of that and manage that and not abuse that because the, the concept of toxic masculinity is very, very real. And it's really essential that we as moms find a way to build our sons up so that they can be, you know, phenomenal in this world um, and successful in this world and not be abusive and arrogant and toxic. And I really have faith that there is a path forward for that kind of a man. And I do think it's my responsibility. I think it's my husband's responsibility. You know, I think it's our family's responsibility to show our son a path forward where he can be powerful and not dangerous. Right. And not taking over and not maybe, you know, being powerful in the, in the place of holding another person back, right. Being powerful, but also being a person that brings other people to the table, a person that empathizes, that's allowed to be emotional, God forbid, that's allowed to stand up and say, I don't like that. You know, if he sees injustice, all the things. Well, and to not feel like they are the sun, the world revolves around them. Like the, the truth is, is I think there's a lot of dialogue right now. Um, and I'm sure some of your listeners have husbands and brothers who feel like a little put out that they are now being judged against candidates that don't look like them. But the truth of the matter is, is for, you know, decades longer, frankly, but let's just even talk modern history decades, you know, white men have had the upper hand. And so yay for you. And now there's people equally qualified, not less qualified, equally qualified as you. And more. And and it's time to give these other people an opportunity. I just think for me, whenever anyone kind of like gets a side eye when it's like, they feel like they're getting less because someone else is getting more. You really have to be like, your spidey senses must go off because there's no version of this world where you getting the same opportunities as me gives me less, period, period. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, why we're fighting voter suppression and all the other things. You, last time we talked about two projects that you're working on. One was with Ali Raisman about the gymnastics uh, sex abuse scandal. Mm -hmm. And one was called Race to Dinner. And I wanted to get a little update on those two projects. 
Yep. So the Allie Raceman project is really about surviving sexual abuse and sexual trauma. And so her history is of course from gymnastics, but the film isn't necessarily really about that. It's about the work she's doing moving forward in supporting other survivors on their own journey to healing. And it's been really riveting and so deep. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. It should be done and airing by later this summer on Lifetime, which is great. And then Race to Dinner, which is now officially called Deconstructing Karen. I didn't know if we could say it or not. Yeah, let's just say it. Okay, so it's called Deconstructing Karen. I'm, you know, I'm so, I saw the rough cut of this. I can't even handle it. Well, your support means a ton um, because, you know, we are her and she is us. So we are really, it's essential that we are part of this conversation because it's our job as white women who have a lot of privileges in this society to help other white women kind of wake up and see their part. And that's really what this movie's about. And so I have, I'm really in the final stages. It will be, it, and listen, I mean, it'll be done, done, I'd say by the end of June, but we're finishing graphics and the composer's finishing pieces and all of that jazz. So I'm taking my sweet time on that. And then at that point, I'm going to figure out what's the real next best step. But I think this is the kind of movie that, you know, we could have girls night bring a bottle of champagne, bring, make your own dinner, make it a potluck and have like you and five of your best friends watch this movie and how you see yourselves in it. Because really it's a, it's, it's a dialogue that we, we all, gosh, we're all part of, we all have to be a part of. And it's uncomfortable. And I'm not going to say it's not like, I mean, you know, watching that rough cut, I really, you know, first of all, it's interesting when people come together and they're confronted with things, you know, people have different reactions, right? Some people start crying or, and one of the things they say, if you're going to cry, we need you to leave the table. I think they were all a little bit like, what, you know, what, first of all, they, um, I think they thought that was kind of funny. Like, what, why would I cry? Like, I'm not going to cry. And then when they found themselves, (laughs) they were going to cry. They were like, do I really have to leave the table? And they were like, yes, because this is not about your, you being upset. We're sharing our experience and telling you how it's been for us. We don't need you over here bringing the attention back to yourself by crying. And I think that was really hard for them to kind of understand. And I, and I get it too. Like I've talked to some really upset white women. The white women are upset. They're feeling like I want to use my voice and I want to speak and I, you know, I want to say things or I want to, I want to be an ally. But there's a dance that you have to do where you have to really think about when you're using your voice, maybe let that black person, Asian person, brown person, give them the floor. Like you may not need to chime in here. You may need to just sit there and listen. You're right. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that this is another thing similar to your question about my white son. It's like, we just don't, I just don't know that we really realize how conditioned we are to have or not have certain conversations. And even those of us who really feel like, God, we're alive and we're awake and we're engaged. We still absolutely on some level are, are dipping and diving around the big taboos in society. And certainly this, this realization that this society operates on a, a, a kind of a, a shadow caste system or a real caste system. You can kind of decide how you want to look at it, depending on 
your community, but like is something we really have to acknowledge. And, and I think what's been so great about the past year of this kind of global social reckoning of, of race is we really can't deny it. Like all the people who want to put their head in the sand, you know, just what last night, the state representative from Georgia knocking on the door and being dragged away by two white cops. Like this is not okay what's happening in our society. And it's okay for all of us white women to say it's not okay. And instead of us just being uncomfortable because we've been conditioned a little bit not to use our voices, it's okay to just say out loud, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do with this feeling, but I'm going to say out loud, I fully acknowledge what is happening in this country is not okay. Yeah. And that's to me a start. It's a start because I think part of this experience of white women waking up to their realization of how they participate in a greater patriarchy and a greater white supremacy is the the act of finding your voice. And to be a nice white woman, you really aren't supposed to use your voice. Like that's breaking rule number one. And so there's, it's quite conflicting for, for people. And the truth is you can teach, you can kind of achieve nothing, even like great motherhood, unless you figure out how to use your voice. Something that really came to my attention in making this movie that I did really had thought I was in touch with my feelings around guns in America. But one of the things Regina Jackson said, who's one of the, you know, kind of key women we follow in the movie, she was like, white women, what is wrong with you? These children being killed at schools are in your neighborhoods. These are happening in white schools. If you guys would band together and choose your children over your guns, you could help put a stop to this, but you're allowing, why are you allowing the NRA and second amendment fanatics to really put your children at risk? And it was a really haunting question she asked. And it stays with me to this day. And I think it's because we as white women, frankly, have never seen ourselves as powerful enough people to you know, to join together, to find community and to enact change. Yeah. And like those things, join together, enact community and create change. Like those are three key things that we need to be doing if we want, you know, these mass shootings, the fact that we've had 10 in 10 days, it's, it's like, how do you, how do we live with ourselves? I don't know. I, I, you know, I also think you brought up a really good point. I think, I mean, even in my experience, I was taught that women tear each other down. I, that was sort of my experience. I went to college and I had that a different thing shown to me because I joined a little sorority and I got a bunch of love and they, the Kappa Alpha Theta ladies loved on me and I had all these little jobs and they, you know, encouraged leadership. And so that was a lovely departure from that feeling. But then once I got out back to the world and it was like, again, I felt like, oh, women steal your boyfriends. They take your jobs there. You you compete with them. And I was always looking for the women that didn't do that, but I felt like there were just, it was more of these other women. And then I realized that is a load of shit. That is not actually true. Is that women actually do want to support each other and they do want to be in community. And in fact, that's what, what I think women are missing more than anything. And it's why I'm a member of the Bra Network and More Than Me and I have this podcast and my Warrior Women. And I'm all about being a community builder because truthfully, you're right. If we don't come together 
then first of all, we're lacking connection and we can't get anything done in our own lives because we're just so stressed and feel like the world's on top of us. But then also politically or, you know, gun safety, gun control, all the things, you know, women could really make huge changes in this country in many areas if we just all agreed on like basic things. It's not about Republican and Democrat. It's not about, it's about, do we want children to be shot? Oh, we don't? Oh, we don't want that? Oh, okay. If we don't want children should be shot at school, what should we do? Let's just like think about what should we do? Should we have some background checks? Should we make it harder? Should it be harder to vote than it is to buy a gun? Because that's right now how it is. It is harder to vote than it is to buy a gun. Should that be? Right. That's, that's not about Republican and Democrat. My husband has guns in this house. He's got mm-hmm. rifles. He doesn't have an AK. Mm-hmm. Do people need AKs? For what? Mm-hmm. People don't shoot deer with that. You don't hunt with an AK. No. So what are, we ha- what are those for? So I think it's like questions like that, right? That if we all kind of found a little common ground in our community, we could, you're right, women could really make things happen if we came together. Yeah. Before women can come together, women have to have a conversation with themselves about, I do have an opinion. I know I've been asked not to have an opinion because that is an ugly thing. A woman with an opinion in my, you know, whether it's my dad or my brother or my boyfriend from high school or whatever, you know, that song, like sit still, look pretty. You have to shake that off. That's really not why you're here. You're not just here to sit still and look pretty. You are here to be an active contributor to this world and this society. And I think, you know, everyone needs to have their own personal dialogue about what can I do to make my immediate community better? What can I do to make my own family better? And that's where it starts. You just got to, you got to speak up. You got to find your voice. Yeah. You got to find your voice. Okay, Patty, I, I put this in here. I wanted to know if there's one question you would like to ask me. Now, I don't know what you're going to ask me. I'm a tiny bit terrified, but I felt like it was only fair for you to turn the tables on me since you are one of my best friends and you're my second most listened to podcast. Have I said that enough? Uh, (laughs) Let me say it one more time. Second most listened to podcast, Patty. So funny. You know what I was thinking a lot because you, you did so much for my birthday, Liz, which was just incredible. And, and, and you really do help me feel like I have a sense of community. So I just appreciate you so much for that. One of the things I thought a lot about for my 50th birthday is in this season of my life, like what truly makes me happy? Cause you know, every time you have a big birthday, it's like, Oh, what gift do I want? What am I going to buy myself? What am I going to do? I'm going to ask my husband to get me. And I really was kind of coming up empty on like, what's a thing, right? I really wanted to travel, which, you know, we'll do next year, a hundred percent, or we might even do later this year, but like in terms of that, like childhood fun, right. And it really made me reflect on what makes me happy in this season of my life. Like, I think I've been subscribing to like the younger version of myself for every birthday. Like I buy myself a purse, I get a new outfit. I might get a piece of jewelry, but like, does that still serve me? And so I wonder for you at this season of your life, what act, what makes you happy? What do you do nice for yourself that makes you happy? I would say that first of all, welcome to 50 because the 50s are the juiciest. I told you it is it is wild woman time. It's time to get embrace your wild woman fully. You, you kind of already have been for a while, but this is like really it. So welcome it. to 50. It's the best club in the world, this 50s club. I really am into it. 
I would say what I do for myself is exactly what I'm doing right now. This is it. Nothing makes me happier, Patty. I know. I love it. Nothing. This podcast has been everything to me. It kept me alive during COVID. It gave me inspiration. I got to meet women I would never meet in my life. I I went after these women, by the way. Women I didn't even know. I'm like, hey, you're an activist. I want to talk to you. I don't even know what you're doing. I want to understand. Or you have this amazing story. You know, you have Parkinson's and you found out and now you've created this whole business around it. You, you're in a wheelchair. You had a brain aneurysm. You know, I mean, my God, the women, what they're doing and who they are and these conversations, my God, that's all I care about. I don't really care about jewelry. I mean, although I do have my necklace on that Patty gave me that is very cute with a little bee on it. I really feel like in this season of life, what makes me happy, what I do for myself is I connect with women. I pull another woman up whenever I can and I share their stories and I hear their stories and I share my story. And, and through that revealing, through that sharing, it heals me. It heals them. We lift each other. We understand each other. And every new woman, you know, that I interview, I basically bring them right into my little warrior woman community. I'm like, okay, who do you need to know? Oh, you need to know Patty. Okay, great. You need to meet Tanya. Great. Like, you know how I do. I, I the minute they're on this podcast, now they're in my little warrior woman tribe. And I feel like a responsibility, frankly, to connect them, to collaborate, to have you guys collaborate Amazing. And that is the juiciest thing in the world to me. Well, and what I what I see about that from a real practical level, you value and you've given what makes you happy is you've given yourself the gift of time and space to live this dream. Because this is I mean, undoubtedly your soul's purpose. Like the way you shine doing this is incredible. And it blows my mind that you're on a year and in yes. a global pandemic. You created something from nothing, which is always, I'm so dead impressed with. And you created something from nothing. And not only did you create it and make like two of them, you made 50 plus of them. So, I mean, my hat is so off to you. And I, and I really, what I love about your answer is that we are all, I think we've been kind of coached into believing that like, there's something you want outside of yourself. Right. And so birthday comes, it's like, is it a purse? Is it a Blah, what is, blah, blah, blah. What is the thing? And the thing isn't a thing. It's connection, it's time, and it's investment in things you care about and stories you care about. Yes. So how gorgeous is that as a full circle moment? Well, I mean, I wish I had known I was a storyteller like you since birth, which you basically came out and you were like, I am a storyteller and I tell real stories. I wish I had known that because I could have been doing so much more all these years, but I'm so grateful to have discovered it at all. And I'm proud that I'm kind of in the storyteller club, I guess. You you're in the club and you also, you, you have your own lane. Like your, your timing is divine and you are doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it. Like your, the life experience you have brought to this, like make no mistake is what gives you such immense compassion for each woman who shows up on your doorstep. I just, I mean, I'm, I'm immensely proud of you, Liz. I really am. I love you for saying that. And thank you for saying that. And I, I'm so grateful that you were kind of one of my first people to come on because we could have come on and we could have had, you know, just a little fluffy conversation, but that's not the conversations you and I have. 
So when I have something that's really, I don't know, it blows my mind or makes me think you are the first person I call. So when we had that first conversation and we, we talked about rape culture, mansplaining. I mean, Patty, Patty, we went on every, <laughs> every, if there was something awkward and scary to discuss, let's do it. We were like, yes, more of this. I mean, and we really just, we went all over the place and we talked about all the things and it, it could have been, I could have picked somebody else and I could have had fluffy conversation, but that's not what I was looking for. And it set the tone for all the conversations I've had since where when I'm researching these women, even when they first send me a bio and I say, okay, yes, I want to do this with you. Send me a bio. I dissect that bio down to the bone. And I look for now, what is the question that this woman needs me to ask so she can reveal not only her story, but the usual truth that every other person listening needs to hear today? What is she, what message is she supposed to be here and telling us today? And some of them are not sure they have a message, but boy, ever do they find it. Every time. There has not been one podcast that a woman has not said something that I'm like, oh my God, you just blew my mind. Yes. And that to me is why, I mean, I'll say this. Real people are remarkable. They're just remarkable. It's for me why I've always chosen to work in nonfiction instead of fiction. Like I do, I love, listen, I love a fiction moment so much, but nonfiction blows my mind because real people who you pass every single day and you may not give a second thought to are living these wild, unbelievable, brave lives. And if you just give them eight minutes, you will learn so much. And honestly, don't we all, aren't we all like, to me, that's the greatest gift is like when there's something I hear from somebody else, I'm like, I'm going to implement that. That's brilliant. Why didn't I think about that? Oh, I love, like that is actually community. Like that is helping other people. So like, I, I just, I love that you have found this really profound niche of finding women who are doing remarkable things and leaping for greatness. Leaping for greatness. And as I always say, everyone, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. And I really mean that. You know, when you're sitting at a dinner, because we are going to go back to dinners, we are going to go out to dinner, we're going to do all the things. Rather than sitting at that dinner next to the woman you don't know, find out what her story is. Get in there with her and ask her about herself because I am telling you, the wisdom sitting right there next to you, you probably don't even realize. You're just going to have this dinner and you're going to be like doing your fluffy stuff. No. Ask her. Yeah. Ask her about herself because everybody's got some amazing thing to share. You're, yeah. And you're so good at bringing it out of people. You really are. You really have, like, this is completely what you're supposed to be doing with your life. No, no doubt. No doubt. I I love you, Patty. And thank you for being a great guest and a great follow up guest. And thank you for being a white woman who cares about people of color? Because I think that's a really huge thing to be a white woman who really tries to put herself in the position. Not, I'm not even going to say ally because you know that word is kind of like overused now. I, I don't even know if that's a good word. I, I just think it's your awareness and how you try to really, you know, tell stories and and give meaning and share people's just unbelievable. Like the story of these two women, what they did with race to dinner and deconstructing Karen, 
is an incredible story that a lot of people would shy away from because those women are very strong and vocal and outspoken and saying a lot of uncomfortable things, Patty. And a lot of white women would be like, no, thanks. <laughs> and, you know, I'll say there's there's a couple of things you just said is number one, I really sincerely don't want any accolades. Like me being a good person doesn't get me a, like an award. No. So like, I really am not seeking that. And I would say this, what I have gotten from this conversation and you touched on it a little bit earlier, I think our job is really to help other white women or white people drop the racism. They don't even realize they carry every single day. And that is really our lane. And let's give brown and black voices kind of the platform to really dictate what this really needs to look like from a policy point of view or from a local or statewide government point of view. But what we can do, the greatest thing we can do is just number one, be a good human. Number two, put your friends and your family in check and really let them know that you are not a safe space for their personal you know, bigotry and racism. That's really the control we have from an hour by hour basis because there's so much we can't control, Mm -hmm. but like we can control that. And we can use our voices. Like you said, we can speak out. Yeah. And it's really uncomfortable. Listen, I know it is very uncomfortable and it happens, happens, happened to me a couple of days ago when someone says something and you're like, I don't want to believe that that person I love is racist. But if I'm being honest with myself right now, that person I love is being racist. How do I say something to them in a way that doesn't make them go, well, F her, I'm not telling her anything, da, 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 right? Like, how do I offer something up in a way that is making it very clear, I do not support the racism coming out of your mouth. I don't condemn you as a human because I understand that you've been raised by the same society that has kind of said it's okay for you to do this. And it's really like, it's kind of like a car crash because it all happens so quickly and you're not going to be prepared in the moment. What I would say to people is like, take that moment and make it even gently clear of like, oh, I, do you hear that doesn't sound right. What you're saying sounds like you're making a lot of assumptions about one community and let's be real. All communities have, have people who do what you're saying. Like, so I've seen a lot of, I've seen plenty of dumb white people doing the same thing you're talking about. So like, let's just not make this about a color. And then honestly, I will try to get out of it because I don't want to be a walking lecturer. Like that's not who I want to be as a human. Right. But I do want to make it crystal clear that I am not a safe space for someone else's racism. And I'm not going to just be a human who looks the other way. Because by the way, I have done that historically, right? I know I have. I can think of two or three times in my life, I wish I said something and I didn't. And guess what? Now I'm 50 and now I'm going to say all the things. I'm going to stop it every time I see it. That's exactly I, right. There's I may the not have had the 50 courage. right there. Right? That you're going to say something every time. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I, and I think you yeah. know, that's the benefit of growing older, right? Is that you get this, yes. this is like unbelievable bravery and trueness to who you really are. And you say, I'm just not going to be anything else, but who I really am. I don't even know if I can get back to the person that's not being who they really are. I don't even know if I can yeah, find that girl. God. Yeah. No, can't find her. Can't find her. Adore you. Thank you for this amazing day. Thank you so much, Patty, for coming back and sharing your story. And I'm looking forward to both of these projects and I'll put it in the show notes, uh, anything we have so they can kind of follow along. And. I'm really glad that you are 
redefining what makes you happy in this season of your life and that you really are living it, Liz, you are living it. And we're all benefiting from it. Like, look what you're doing. It's radiating joy for all of us. Thank you so much. You're awesome. Okay. Well, we will, uh, we'll, maybe we'll be doing another thing on deconstructing Karen. We'll just have to see. I hope so. I think so. Oh, yes. It's going to be good. Thank you for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.